He's racing on to this ball here. The angle is there. Oh, what a finish, Jamie McLaren. Still Ellie Carpenter. Oh, what a goal from Melbourne City. It's three. It's Aaron Moy who places it beautifully in the top corner. All the way through for Sankar. Welcome to another episode of the FFA podcast, the place where we tell the stories of Australian football through the people who write the history. On this episode, we have four players from the Westville Matildas of 2006. They were part of the first ever Australian team to qualify for a FIFA tournament through the Asian Football Confederation. Part of the Westfield Matilda Zoom sessions, this conversation is hosted by current Westfield Young Matilda's head coach, Leah Blaney, cap number 126, and she is joined by former teammates in midfielder Sally Shippard, cap 131, and defensive duo Kim Carroll, cap 133, and Danielle Brogan, cap number 166. We hope you enjoy this conversation. I'm excited to be joined by you guys, and it's, it's fantastic to see you. Your smiling faces throughout this this period. Um, can you just share some of your experiences during the lockdown? How are you keeping? Um, what's helping you to tick over and keeping you busy during this this time? Kimmy, you want to start? I can start. Um, I'm still lucky enough to um, be working just remotely, so um, that's taking up my days. And then um, yeah, just finding things to do, something different. Found a tennis wall um, near home. Um, so I can hit against the wall myself, just doing random stuff really. But um, it's kind of been nice. Made a herb garden again. I think this is my third time. We'll see how we go. <laughs> how about you, Briggs? Well, my work's been quiet for a couple of weeks. Elective surgeries are our main part of income, so they've stopped. So I thought I've actually started exercising again. Um, but my brother-in-law, uh, his wife and two kids have moved in with us. They scraped in about 18 hours before the cutoff from the UK. So I'm probably the worst teacher in the world um, that I've found out and can't even teach them Australian history or geography. <laughs> but um, look, we're coping. I should be back at work next week. So we're surviving. We got through it. And Sal, tell me, recently I've seen you've got an exciting um, career venture at the moment. Um, how's that going for you and how are you keeping yourself during lockdown? Um, so my, I backed off the tools, so I'm not um, doing carpentry at the moment. I'm working with a furniture maker and he hasn't had to lock up um, his workshop because it's like the ceilings and the exhaust fans and whatnot and there's enough space for people to kind of be operating and still keeping sort of that social distancing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been pretty lucky with work as well, but weddings have certainly taken a bit of a hit. No one wants to get married at the moment, um, <laughs> but hopefully all the weddings that I've had to delay will just pick up in summer and it should be all sweet. But yeah, just spending time outside, getting fresh air with my wife and taking walks up to the sort of local reserve and kind of just bracing ourselves for a cold Canberra winter. <laughs> I think would everybody agree, like this this time where we're able to step back and, and spend time with family and loved ones, it's, it's certainly a time we um, are looking to nurture and probably we aren't used to all as athletes in our junior years and um, where our different careers are taking us at the moment, we spend time away from home. So 
I think it's important messaging that we are enjoying this time with our family and um, we're all, you know, obviously very grateful for the opportunity we have with them at the moment. So I have to have to jump right in. Uh, how did it feel getting your first ever national team call up? If we we look at the amount of um, young players who become Matilda's Socceroos or professional footballers or, or go on to represent at junior and youth level, uh, we make up a, a small percentage of this country and, and of the world. So, Kimmy, I'll start off with you, uh, a tenacious defender out of Brisbane who used to kick the hell out of me and Sally and I think Brogues used to kick you just as hard back. But <laughs> tell me, how, how did you feel of, you know, pulling on that jersey or getting that email and phone call that you were going to represent your country? Yeah, I guess um, mine was a bit of a shock, really. Um, I think I was at home for Christmas um, and got a phone call from Tommy, who was the coach at the time, um, to come into camp. So that was a big surprise. Um, and then I, I got selected from that first camp that I went to. So um, it all sort of happened quickly for me and just, yeah, just shock and excitement and all sort of happened at once, I guess. And you, you Brogues? You're obviously, when I remember when you first came into the Young Matildas group, you're obviously a, a younger player coming into um, an environment where there was, there was more senior players. How, how was that experience for you? It was difficult. I mean, we were, I think we were all there in 2004 in Thailand as well from memory, but everybody's welcoming, but the older players still want to make sure that you know, they can kick you about and, and show you what they know and all of that. But, um, I mean, I debuted for shares in her retirement game and, boy, there were some big shoes to fill that I never got around to. But it's, I mean, we know what it's like. Everyone's competitive. But at the end of the day, um, you know, you walk off the field and you've got a good group of friends there. So the support was there and everybody just wanted you to be the best that you could be. But coming in as a younger player was always hard. I mean, I think we, I was probably 12 when I first started playing with you, Leah. So, Everyone was always older than me, but it was just something that you got used to. And then I outgrew you a lot, so I ended up okay. But I don't think too many of us were wearing shin pads at the time. And by the end of the session, I think we, we had pads on. Oh, yeah, so. it was just, I mean, and probably I think we all grew up playing with boys as well. So it was either you kick them first or um, that's it. But, yeah, it was, it's a hard environment and back then, you know, that was everything that was, um, you know, we didn't have the recollection you were playing for yourself and um, no one was really watching from the sidelines. So it, it was confronting, but it makes you who you are. So would never complain. That's excellent, Briggs. And, and how about you, South? Do you recall any of your early experiences going into Young Matildas? Or I'm, I'm lucky to have kept diaries throughout my um, early stages of my career and when Anne contacted us about chatting with um, this small select group. I was very uh, grateful to have kept those diaries because playing football that long ago feels like an absolute lifetime ago. And I can't believe we're the old girls now that people like <laughs> are turning to to talk about what it was like. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, those early days, like, you only have to scroll through a couple of pages, but we were pretty determined young gals with a pretty big point to prove and it was a pretty special time um, certainly during that 
um, those formative years, even, you know, with, with Anne Swiss and the likes of remembering little Kim Carroll with her long blonde locks and just thinking to yourself, oh, how are we going to get around her? We've got to watch out for Kim Carroll. So it's kind of like, and then all of a sudden she's your teammate. It was, yeah, the, the, the national team stuff was really fun and, yeah, feel very fondly about the, the memories that are in the old noggin. Yeah, look, I, I think, Sal, just um, what resonates with me from what you've, what you've just said is, is definitely the degree of mateship um, and friendship we all had as a group. Um, if I remember, you know, national titles, it was always one state versus the other and there was that, that competitiveness and whether it was country New South Wales versus metro New South Wales or um, bloody Queensland versus New South Wales, um, whoever it was, I think country and city used to gang up when it came to Queensland, right? <laughs> there was a bus incident once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think when, I, I get chills when you mention things like the diaries we used to keep and um, some of the, the friendships that have been forged um, throughout that time is, I think it's an important piece of our, our football history and um, key memories for, for all of us. Um, so I guess that, that sort of leads into, obviously football led us to our initial, most of our initial trips overseas. How was that for, for you guys travelling at a, at a young age and um, do you have fond memories of, of travelling to Asia or the Pacific or, or anything you, you'd like to share? Um, I, I would say Papua New Guinea was probably the, the biggest sort of cultural um, shock in my early days with the national team and that was probably just through observing society and sort of culture and driving through the streets and I remember traveling in the um in the bus with the dudes and they had those massive guns that I probably haven't bus with the guard at the door <laughs> yeah I haven't seen a gun like that probably since we we're in Papua New Guinea and then the pictures were just like I don't even think there were tufts of grass in sight but that's that's what comes to mind when I think when I think of the first international trip for from my end, that's for sure. I definitely have some fond memories of of Asia, and it all sort of gets rolled in into one with the amount of travel we do. I was looking back at a history today in terms of our qualifiers being held in Malaysia, uh, World Cups being held in Thailand, um, tours to Japan, and and I look at that and I think. From the age of 16 to 20, most of us had probably travelled to at least five to ten countries, which I think is is a phenomenal experience for, for young players. And um, I think we're very fortunate to have that national team experience at both youth and, and senior level um, during that time that, that opened us up to, to football, but also, Sal, as you touched on, the rest of the world. Yeah, definitely. There's, I've actually got one memory that's just popped up. I think we were in Malaysia and we had to go to the bank to get some cash out or exchange our money. And, you know, we, we were given, I think we were Nike by the time. So, you know, we had the T-shirt and shorts on and everyone used to roll the sleeves up because the humidity was 100 plus percent. But the looks that we got walking down the street and everyone was just staring at us and young and naive and we're just like why is everybody looking at us is it is it because we're caucasian or is it because we're wearing shorts and and, and a t-shirt and, and it was it was because you know we're in a muslim country and but you back then you didn't think of it whereas now um you i, I think it probably taught us respect for other people's cultures and 
and and the way that they lived and, and and all of that but it just that that memory of walking into this bank and being looked at by everything and I, I think we were the only females in there at the time too which probably didn't happen very often so it was um a little bit enlightening into the asian culture a little like going to russia that's a whole other whole other podcast i think <laughs> but, yeah, it's the asian countries and the respect that they have and then bringing that home and i don't think we were ever disrespectful but it was just learning a different way of living absolutely and those cultural experiences they're invaluable um i feel for us as players but also the effect that we had on people in those communities um i remember when we had extra polos and boots and whatnot giving them to to local communities at the end of tours and um they're things that don't happen very often and i haven't experienced too much like that outside of, of football um, so they're definitely, I think, experiences that have, we'd agree, have shaped all of us moving forward. Brogues, you mentioned um, uh, Russia. So um, how about we kick off with qualifiers um, in getting to Russia? We faced some tough teams um, in that period. Uh, we came up against China in our first game. Um, we came up against um, Korea in the semi-final and then um, we were we were very very successfully in beating Japan 3-2 um, in that in that final game to go on and qualify for Russia um, can you guys recall any fond memories of that tournament um, the China game um, we won one nil I recall excellent performance by the team um, I think Colette McCallum provided the the winner against Japan to send us 3-2 to, to the next stage. Can you guys recall um, that match, how you felt before or during or, or after even? You got anything, Kimmy? Yeah, I was going to say, you're stretching the memory a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would be in the same boat as you, Kimmy, except for I do have a diary and I can, can <laughs> read verbatim. I could read from it but I might just give you a summary. Um, as I pointed out before, we were very, very determined individuals. And I think, back me up here, girls, were we really like Australian spirit? Like we can't, you know, never say die. I feel like that was a bit of day in, day out, which has obviously like survived. But I think when you're like these naive, kind of innocent sort of teenage girls, you kind of just like, Let's do it for our families. Let's do it for the benches. Let's do it for the staff. Let's do it. Let's do it for Australia. You know, we need to prove ourselves as a country and as women. And I don't know. I feel like I don't know. Maybe I I keep repeating the play for her, but I'm oh, sure yes. you that's the same yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The play for her. That's all I get back. Okay. So yeah. I've actually dug up our rings. <laughs> That, where we have that engraved that the entire team got and again we reflect on that mateship and that wanting to play for your country and yourself so that the team was better um you know i recall each one of us had an australian flag in in our rooms hung up on the wall and you wake she up lena karma she had two <laughs> But you wake up every day and whether you're in training camp or at a qualifying tournament or, or at the World Cup and that's that's what it was about, you know. I think, you know, that's important messaging, South. Yeah. Uh, and I think um, the, the play for her is an interesting one because I remember asking all the girls 
and I've got, Kimmy, I've got your photo still, the photo that you brought in, and I've also got Victoria Balaminos. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> I've, got, I've got four spare ones in my safari. But at the start of the camp, I think I asked everyone to bring in a photo of their younger self. Yeah. And then I made that poster. And yeah. And you guys had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> But yeah, the um the the play for her thing I think has always kind of like stuck stuck with us, especially through those sort of like initial few years of you know sort of playing together as a national team. Do you guys remember the the verse, the saying? Or oh, I'm sure we all got up and sung it once, didn't we? <laughs> it would be an interesting song. <laughs> Because what's going on? It reminds me of Catherine Canooley, or was that 2014? Um, might have been 06. Oh, Living on a Prayer? No, that was 04. Yeah. Were you in Leah, or were you overseas? I was overseas in the US oh. for the, um, the last tournament in, in Perth. I think the games were against New Zealand and potentially Canada, maybe. Um, so I was in, in college in the US, which was a, an interesting experience to be in the Young Miss Hilders and um, studying abroad. Um, I think I was one of the first to sort of do that, which was a tough decision um, for me to leave family, friends, and obviously um, what was a strong national team um, in the Young Miss Hilders and then in the senior team environment. Um, but I just, again, I reflect on the mateship and the time we'd spent um, growing up all together, you know, all of us from the age of around 12, whether it be playing against each other or, or in the same teams, that whenever you came back into a camp, it was like you'd never left. Yeah. I, I can vouch for that, Leah. I think I sort of touched on it before, but when you'd come back from your stint in the US, um, mm. I was so pleased that your personality, like your, your character was still the same. Except your football had advanced. I'm not sure how because you were impossibly good at the start before you went. But um, it was really cool to have you back in the national team fold, young Matildas or um, the senior team, knowing that you'd still gone away and improved the way that you had, but you'd come back and you're still the same person, which I think was a little bit... I, don't, I, I remember feeling a lot of respect for you in that space. Oh. Very reason. Thank you, Sal. And um, like I said... The, the memories we've all shared growing up and it, this group extends further than us four, right? You know, there's, we think about Jen and Tristan and um, you've mentioned um, Lena Karmas Brogues, uh, you know, you guys still have a, I'm sure a very strong mateship with, with Ledbrook who's still playing the game and, and that it's, um, it's... The mafia actually, <laughs> that's what reminds me of <laughs> the mafia still exists. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure Livy Kennedy um, and Kat Kavanaugh were involved in that group of six. Okay. Were we that bad? <laughs> it was, um, sorry, flashback, but the old AIS um, with the individual dorms and the, the dining room, we all, all six of us, so it was Olivia Kennedy, I'm pretty sure Kat Kavanaugh was involved at the time, um, Renee Cartwright. Lena, Kylie, myself would walk through. Oh, Caitlin Cooper might have been in there too. 
would walk through the grass area up to the dining hall and Tom Samani walked out once because he used to come to our location and he's like, what is this, the mafia? And we do, our group chat on Viber is still the mafia. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's unreal, you guys still uh, keep large, it's fantastic. Um, so I guess, yeah, if we look at um, in terms of us being the last group to, to qualify for for a Youth World Cup and our experiences in Russia. Um, do you guys have any fond memories or any meaningful messages um, you think are worthy to discuss about our time there? Um, it was obviously a, a challenging tournament. We, we faced uh, Brazil, New Zealand, the Russia. in the last game. So we, we lost to Brazil. We beat New Zealand from memory and then we drew um, which in, with Russia, which we needed a win to go through to that that final game. Um, can anyone recall, um, Kimmy, you know, your experiences in Russia and what it was like to travel in that country and play? I guess originally I, I was probably, we were probably all a bit worried about going to Russia. <laughs> um, I remember landing in the plane and leaning forward to look out the window and then couldn't get back up because the seats all bent forward and blocked us off. <laughs> Um, the hostie was, I think, at the back of my phone <laughs> with the bags right behind her. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's actually a beautiful country. Um, and I think we're all sort of surprised by that in a good way. You know, we went over, I think we were deemed as like on paper having a really good chance. And I think we held ourselves to that high standard. I think we threw from memory literally everything we had at that last game to, to get through and we fell short. So I think the disappointment from that was pretty high. But as a playing group, we sort of really stuck together the whole way through. So it's probably disappointing that we didn't get that extra step. But, um, yeah, still fond memories. Yeah, look, in terms of that last game, Brogues, I remember you levelled us at 1-1. Can you, can you recall that goal? Or, um... Yeah, there's actually, um, to be honest, it's probably the best and worst moments <laughs> of my whole career were in that game. I um I was at fault for their goal. I it was do you, I don't know if you remember how much it rained in the warm-up, but I was wearing screw-ins and lost a stud in the warm-up. So I'm pretty sure I played the whole game with one less stud. But I did an air swing and um Danny Lova, I think her name was, was well I was the one falling over and she um crossed the ball in I think and put it in the back of the net. So we were down one nil due to my fault but I don't, the memory I've got was we got a, a, a set piece kind of towards our area and Colette stood up to take it, which was unusual because we, we always had a right footer swinging it in back post from that side of the field. But because we played three at the back, Polk and Kim's always, always went up for the, the set pieces and I was the one who stayed. But I'm sure Kim had a, I thought you tore your hamstring. Yeah, um, you went up. I remember you saying that you were going to go up. Yeah, and I the ball came in. I was like, oh, it, I just threw everything at, at it. And I think I ended up with about four of them on top of me. And then I just had Polks pulling the back of my shirt to get up at the weird scored. And I had no idea what was going on. But probably one of the best goals of, well, not that I scored much anyway, apart from penalties. <laughs> but it was, you know, it, it was just one of that adrenaline that we had to win. And, and it was probably like playing North Korea, I think is probably one of the hardest teams we've ever had to play against, especially in Asian environments. But playing Russia in Russia, there's so much going on on pitch side. There was so much on the line for it, but um, still the one of the best games in my memory bank from 
from the career, definitely. And, and Briggs, what I, I've always admired in you and, and listening to you now and knowing how you were as a player, just how you, you, you discuss recovering from a mistake or an error or in a game or feeling responsible for, for something that's happened and then taking control to make it right. I think that's such an important quality um, in people. And then obviously players coming through as well, right? That, um, you know, it, it might be a game where who's going to stand up and, and make it right? Who's going to score that goal? And, and I think you're somebody we always relied on as a, as a defender to, to be there for the team. And, you know, that, that game where you, you put us 1-1, giving us every chance to sort of try and progress with what was in your control, you know, that's something that's, um, yeah, I admire and always have. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I guess, I think Kim and Polks were midfielders probably growing up, but um, I never really made it out of the back line. And it was that do or die. You, you were probably brought up a little bit differently because you were the last one before the goalkeeper. So I think, and to be honest, it still weighs on me to this day. I'm 32 this year and what we were, I think I would have been, 18 or 19 in Russia and I still remember that mistake and, and it's something that whether it changed the game or not but I don't think I ever made up for it I don't think that goal if we had gone through it probably would have been one of them I would have let it go but I still remember it and, and heartbroken for it but I just think that we had so we probably could have gone on and won that I think we had the ability to and I guess we just didn't fire at the time, but that's part of what it is. You, you have to take responsibility for your own actions. And, you know, it was just one of those. It wasn't to be our day, unfortunately. That's football, huh? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I was say, Brogues, like, your memory is exquisite. You've just painted the most unbelievable <laughs> picture. Yeah, I don't know. There's some things I can't remember to save my life, but... I remember a lot of that tournament, the cardboard box in the, the <laughs> in the hallway, and I, we played Canada in a friendly before the tournament started, and they actually thought I did my ACL, but it was a medial strain. Um, and there was a photograph of myself, Chappie, and our translator crossing the road, and I had the old cryo cuff. Yes strapped to my leg and I was holding it above my head and, and she was holding my hand to cross the road and Chappie was holding her other hand and just stuff like that. It, I don't know why it sticks there for whatever reason. There's certain snippets, I guess, probably not the whole thing. but I remember having qualified through Asia. I remember feeling a very different... I felt this feeling of, like, belonging at the tournament where we'd, where we'd proved ourselves... Whereas the, the World Cup, the Youth World Cup before that, it kind of felt like, oh, are we just here? Like, <laughs> we beat Papua New Guinea by a few too many goals. Um, but I think, like, what just going back to what you said at the start, Kimmy, like, on paper, we had, like, we had high expectations of our team and we'd sort of proven ourselves to be there. And it was, like, I share your disappointment still, Brogy, in the way that, like, to come so close in that final game and let it slip like although like so long ago you do have those those feelings and those memories do surface to an extent and I guess sport's pretty powerful in that regard but I distinctly remember feeling like we belonged at that tournament as a result of qualifying through Asia uh, in that we were the first team to do it but it's also just a tricky path and Leah as you said like no youth team has qualified since yeah 
um, we were the last cohort too. And again, I refer back to that winner over Japan who are powerhouses in, in youth football at the moment. Um, North Korea, China, they're all, all powerhouses in the world game, not just in Asia. Um, so for us in that landscape early on, uh, it's something that, um, you know, our future have to aspire to. And um, just listening to, to you girls share some of your experiences tonight, um, you, you know, it makes me me ask the question, if, if we look back 14 years from now, and 14 years ago was that period, but obviously a lot of us um, were involved in football well before that. How do you think it's... It, it's shaped you as a person or Brogues, you've touched a little bit on how it had shaped you in the future, um, football specifically, but how do you think the games, yeah, shaped you guys as people? And um, I guess, what do you, do you want for it from it moving forward? Go on, Kim. <laughs> um, I guess for me, it's um, probably been all about the experiences that I've got from it. Um, moving away from home, so having to grow up quickly um, and learn the ropes sort of yourself and travelling um, and getting that love for travel um, and learning different cultures as we touched on before. So I guess it's just all the opportunities that have come from it. Um, and then I guess that, that hard work that you have to put in, it also translates to sort of off the field work and your lifestyle. So it's sort of a, I guess it's just a forever like, ingrained in you a bit I think it, it probably taught us a lot of resilience we again we were nobodies we used to qualify through Oceania and I, the only difference I see I mean I've obviously started doing a little bit of coaching and, and it was involved with Football West and now um, in the NPL if it ever gets up and going I don't talk it isn't this your first head coach rolling WA yeah it is <laughs> Azuri it's like I've gone back to Sydney <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm taking on that role and, and, and to be honest, it's probably because I feel a little bit of empathy and, and probably a little bit of sympathy for the players. We were given, I think, a lot growing up in, in Sydney and in Brisbane. Kim, obviously, you and Sal and even Leah yourself, you weren't really a, a Metro player. I just see the differences and the competitiveness and I don't think that's ingrained anymore. I think that's where we're falling down. We're okay to participate. But I don't think we've got that competitiveness ingrained in the younger ones to win. And I think we do because we had to sacrifice so much more. You know, all of you moved away from home. Um, and, and not that anybody doesn't have to do that anymore. There's a, you know, there's a lot of players that still have to do it. But nobody was watching when we were there. And, and I just think that we maybe it was because we all got brought up playing with boys. Um, I, I don't know the answer for it, but I just felt like... But I guess the question is, how do we, and is that's probably just a brute defender talking, but how do we um, instill that in our younger players, the competitiveness, because that's what I think we're lacking and have been for the last 14 years. And, and it says so because they're getting better and want to win. But I don't know, we, we wanted to go to that World Cup and I don't think anything would have stopped us that year. It is interesting, Brogy, because... Like, for, for, for some reason or another, we were so young, yet innately we had this drive inside of us. Yeah. And, and that would be partly environment, but also just, like, a product of who you are. But I, I'm so far removed from the elite sporting world, even sporting world now, to even know what the current climate is 
What does life entail right now? And like I said, how is football good and bad? Do you think shaped you now? We Brogues mentioned things such as resiliency and that winning competitive mentality. You know, sometimes you take that into your career or maybe you don't. Maybe you go, you know what, I've spent a certain amount of my life being this way, now I take a step back. Um, how's the, the path not in in football um, for you being? Because there's no right or wrong, you know, that's everybody takes a different different way. Look, it is, I do have a very different life now, almost to the point where I feel like I've led two different lives. I think looking back on, on, on the opportunities in football, it's a very, very privileged, I mean, you work hard for your... Um, for your spot in a team and and as Brogy pointed out like you make choices along the way that could also be considered as sacrifices and all of a sudden it's like you're in this elite sporting group that's traveling all around the world like there are no expenses that you're paying you're literally chasing a ball with your mates and like there's highs and lows but ultimately it's a pretty fun time and you kind of step away from that world and I don't know, I guess like in, in my sort of transition away from that, it's been pretty big. I don't know how you girls have gone in terms of kind of like relinquishing that footballing identity. I think I found that particularly difficult after a couple of years having stepped away from football. But I mean, it's it's now five years, Leah. So I um, it does feel like a lifetime. <laughs> Tell me, the time capsule, do you remember that being buried in your parents' backyard? There was five or six of us and we we put in it our hopes and dreams for the future. I think we said we wrote where we would be at 30 or, or whatever time frame we, we gave it. I'm very interested in Mama Shippard digging that back up, Sal. Can you, uh, can you remember where, was it in Canberra? Yes. Oh, I was very goal-driven, wasn't I? Did I hold you all down <laughs> and make you write goals so we could have <laughs> I think I think I if I could take one thing away from our little cohort in terms of like how we were little like units it would be I think like goals goal setting to me is the biggest lesson that football taught me and maybe even stripping it all the way back to learning how to juggle and realizing that through application and through through training and repeated exposure you're eventually just going to improve and we've all got different examples of, of, of realising that for ourselves as individuals and then as a team. I'm sure if you're all to think back to when you were first developing your skill level and um, Brogues, you probably figured out at maybe 12 that you could kick the length of the soccer field. <laughs> but you I did thought have... you were going to say kick somebody. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was probably, that was probably 14. I don't know. You probably still still about <laughs> I don't know. Are you trying to say that she ever tackled nicely? <laughs> hey, it was all within the rules. Was there, was there, once in my life. Was there a time where she tackled nicely? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not really. Sometimes yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, Leah, to answer your question, I'll check in with mum, but her memory is probably as good as mine and I don't think she'll know where it is. 
Mm. Uh, all right, girls. Well, it's been look fantastic to catch up with with you all tonight, and um, I'm sure this won't be our, our last of, of many chats because again, it's it's great to see you, and and hopefully this sparks um, some of some of the other young Matildas to um, come out, and um, hopefully we can interact and hear some of their stories um, of where they're all at now, and and how this this sort of special group of players in terms of our, our youth, um, where they're all at now and, and what football's given them and, and shown them the, the good and, and the bad that we've, we've all taken on um, later on in life. So thanks again um, for, for joining me tonight. Um, for those watching you, uh, um, thank you for joining the Zoom session. Thanks, guys. <laughs>